Sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. That very day, the first day of the week, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus. And they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, said to them in reply, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days. And he replied to them, what sort of things? They said to him, the things that happened to Jesus of Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. How our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women from our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther, but they urged him, stay with us. It is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem, where they found gathered together the eleven and those with them who were saying, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way and how he was made known to them 
in the breaking of bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. God did not do that. That was the startling and disappointing statement made by the governor of the state of New York, Andrew Cuomo, almost two weeks ago. He was speaking at his briefing on the coronavirus pandemic that has been occurring on a, on a daily basis for weeks now. And for the most part, these press events have been full of warnings and grim statistics and sharing just distressing realities, all of which is understandable. New York has sadly once again become ground zero of another horrific time in our nation's history. They're experiencing the the gravest impact from this illness with us here right next door in New Jersey, sadly right up there with them. But on this particular day, about a month into this crisis, it seemed that there was some positive developments. The numbers of people in serious condition along with the number of people that were being hospitalized, started to drop. And this was something that experts have been telling us to look for as a a sign that the curve had been flattened, that perhaps we've turned or are turning a corner, however you want to put it, to say some things were finally starting to improve. Inexplicably, though, and without provocation, the governor added, the number is down because we brought the number down. God did not do that. Faith did not do that. What made this even stranger, it wasn't like the the governor was responding to a particular question that mentioned prayer or faith or God himself. It was almost as if he went out of his way to say, don't get your hopes up, don't get your faith up. Can't help but observe that there are some very, very vocal in the media who love to criticize a politician who speaks words of faith or prayer in times of crisis as somehow violating the the very misunderstood American notion of the separation of church and state. But if you want to demean or diminish or dismiss God, the podium is all yours. Sorry, just a pet peeve. To be fair, though, I, I don't want to pile on the governor here because it's been an incredibly stressful time for everyone and for all of our government leaders, those that we supported and those that we didn't, I think they're all trying their best under incredibly unique and difficult circumstances with every move, every decision being debated in real time online, and we're dealing with matters of life and death. So it's a very sobering and challenging time. So I'm not here to rip on Governor Cuomo, but I have to admit that I was extremely sad to to hear that statement coming from him because Governor Cuomo has made mention, at least in passing, to his Catholic Christian faith and upbringing. And listening to a comment such as, God did not do that. Just as an observer, it sounds like either the governor doesn't really know God or is angry or disappointed or or disillusioned in him. Because what moves a person to caring for someone in need? Like the story I read of a 14-year-old in New York City who made flyers and stuck them under the doors of many of her neighbors in her apartment building. She specifically wrote to senior citizens, most of whom she had lived next to her entire life. She never really met them, never even knew their names, but knew that they might be living alone. 
And she just wrote, if you need anything or even just someone to talk to. And she gave her name and her phone number. Or how does a person summon the almost supernatural strength to go beyond what seems humanly and physically possible? As we hear stories of of doctors and nurses and these staffs at the hospitals who are working crazy, crazy hours, day after day, week after week, simply because they see the needs are so great. Or why would someone risk their very lives to care for someone they never know, never met, had no relationship to? This past Thursday, members of the FDNY once again proved their bravery and heroism as it was reported that despite receiving a mandate that said to them, if you come upon a person that says has no pulse, no CPR, that many of these FDNY people are ignoring that order as they vow to do whatever they can to save those individuals who have been summoned to help just as they've always done before the viral pandemic. We know what causes the young girl to care. We know how it's possible for a person to go beyond their natural human abilities. We know why someone risks their lives for another, even a stranger. God who made us, God who made our hearts, is the God who moves us and is the God who moves our hearts. As Catholic Christians, we know that in the passion death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the fullness of who God has been revealed to us. He is not a master looking at us as mere subjects. He's not some distant, disinterested God who threw creation into existence and then said, good luck with all that. No, in the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see, we know that we have a God who is selfless, sacrificial love. That's who God is, and as his creatures made and formed in his very likeness and image, that's already there, that's inside of us. That's part of our our makeup, it's part of our DNA, whether we're the most devout of believers or even the most oblivious to him. We can and often do choose to go against that part of ourselves, but he wants us to, to become the most devout. He desires for each and every one of us to come to know him, to respond to that identity that's there, to live in the newness and the fullness of life as a member of the body of Christ risen from the dead. And that's what the disciples on this road to Emmaus come to realize. As their journey begins, their minds and their hearts, they're all stuck on Good Friday. Understandably, they've been traumatized by those events. So all they can think of is death, and destruction, and the seeming end of all hope. It's so bad that these disciples who also had encountered God himself in Jesus Christ, either they didn't really know who he was, or maybe they were angry, or disappointed, or disillusioned in God themselves. Because here it was, Easter Sunday, they had just heard several reports from differing witnesses that Jesus had risen from the dead. And their response to this great news is to leave town, to leave their fellow disciples. Whether it was out of fear or confusion or disbelief, it doesn't really matter because in a very real way, they're almost saying, God did not do that. To that, 
the risen but somewhat hidden Jesus says, oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart you are to believe. And then he patiently and lovingly walks with them and talks them through it all. He spends time reorienting his disciples' minds and hearts to remember, to recall all that God, in fact, had done from the very beginning of time. Those stories of faith begin to reignite their hearts. And Jesus stays with them and took bread and said the blessing and broke it and gave it to them. And that changes everything. Finally, their eyes are opened. They recognize Jesus and what, in fact, God had done. For us as Catholics, we know that those acts of taking, blessing, breaking, and giving are the Eucharist. As alive as Jesus was that that first Christmas in Bethlehem, as active as Jesus was in Cana at that wedding where he turns water into wine, as present as Jesus was to his disciples before his death and resurrection, so he is now in a very new way in the Eucharist. And it's in the participation in the Eucharist, it's in our nourishing ourselves of that bread of life that we come to see and we come to know Jesus. We share in and experience his very life ourselves. As people of faith living in these very difficult, unprecedented times, it's understandable that we're fearful and we're worried. We've experienced more death and destruction than we should ever have to. We're feeling isolated from one one another. And with so many not able to receive Jesus in the Eucharist as attending Mass has been prohibited, has people feeling isolated from God as well. And all those very cold, harsh realities have the potential for us to hear this good news and the good news of Jesus' resurrection and allow these present realities to fuel doubts which overwhelm that truth. We too might feel like we don't know God or feel angry and disappointed and disillusioned with him. But that we're here today, whether just online and watching this online, that means that somewhere deep within that knows who we are, that remembers that there were and that there are countless blessings, countless miracles from our loving Father that we have and are still experiencing. Jesus is trying to get our hearts burning within us and to recognize that he is alive and he is with us right here and right now. It's with that vision that we're able to to know and must speak words to ourselves, to testify to one another, to Governor Cuomo, to any and everyone, to the very ends of the world. In fact, what God did and what God does for us.